We have this treasure in earthen vessels, that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. Are you a broken vessel, weighted down with discouragement, illness, or perhaps a disability? Well, take heart. Whatever your burden may be, God offers treasures that will transform your life. Hello, dear listeners. You're listening to Broken Vessels, Hidden Treasures. And here are your hosts, Paul and Tabitha Norris. When you hear the word missions, what ideas come to mind? Travel? Passports? Foreign languages? Crossing boundaries? Crossing closed borders? The Bible tells us to go, preach the gospel, and declare his glory among the nations. As believers, our desire should be that all the world know the soul-saving power of Christ Jesus. But how often, when we think about missions, do we consider possibilities on the home front? The Gospels in the book of Acts point out that the disciples preached first in Jerusalem, then Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the earth. We actually don't have to look far to find people in the need of a Savior. We'd like to introduce a community that's in our backyard and yours. It's a disabled community. Disability is any mental or physical condition that affects or impairs a person's life activities. It can result from birth defects, diseases, injuries, and even aging. So we are all vulnerable. While we might be perfectly strong and able-bodied one day, disability can strike hard and fast. It can be of a cause of a work accident or car accident, or even a disease that may be laying dormant that we might not know about. The World Health Organization tells us that 15% of the world's population live with some form of disability. That's over a billion people. Believe it or not, there are many individuals living with disabilities who, despite their challenges in life, are ambitious, independent, athletic, successful. But it is also true that many of them around the world are suffering Stats have shown that if we were to place those impacted by disability together as a people group, they would hold the highest rates of abuse, isolation, suicide, and unemployment. Let me try to give you a better picture of that. These are some stories that have been shared with us personally from friends or taken straight out of newspapers and magazines in America A pastor discourages a young man with a neurological disease from serving the Lord's Supper because he's afraid he might drop the communion tray. A young girl in China with scoliosis is abandoned by her parents because they believe she's a bad omen. England, Belgium, Switzerland, Germany, France, Italy all boast that over 90% of their unborn children with the condition of Down syndrome are aborted. A mother in Kenya is pressured by family and friends to kill her baby boy who has epilepsy and physical disabilities. It's a picture of discrimination and hardship on every side. Being that individuals with disabilities are one of the world's largest people group, they would also be one of the world's largest unreached people group. Did you know no more than 10% of the world's disabled are effectively being reached with the gospel? Talk about opportunity. 
The mission field is wide open. We have an incredible opportunity before us to reach these individuals and families with the hope of the gospel. In a recent study, three sections of nationally representative data on people in the United States were analyzed. It was found that the odds of people on the autism spectrum never attending religious services are almost double what they are for individuals without health conditions. For people with developmental delays, learning disabilities, disabilities that affect social interaction, for them, the odds of never attending a religious service are also higher. The research showed that these findings have been stable for years. People with disabilities have a lot of challenges in life. Attending church should not be one of them. So why do we see so few of them in our churches? How are we falling short? And what keeps them from becoming a part of the church? We're going to suggest two reasons today. Accessibility and attitude. Let's start with accessibility. As a wheelchair user, I'm really glad for the Americans with Disabilities Act. The ADA provides guidelines of accommodation for individuals with disabilities. Ramps, wider aisles, bathroom stalls large enough for wheelchair users, and Christian schools and churches are actually exempt from this law. And my understanding is that's because of the doctrine of separation of church and state. Nevertheless, from a moral and biblical standpoint, we as believers should care about the needs of others. We want not only to be careful in preventing harm, but also just to make life a little easier for those with special needs. A lot of congregations out there wrestle with how far they should go to make their ministries, worship services, and buildings accessible. Should they put in an elevator so their elderly don't have to climb the stairs? Should they purchase Braille Bibles or begin to put the hymns on a PowerPoint screen for the visually impaired? Should they pay some of their members to learn sign language and interpret for the deaf? In many cases, the church will choose to use the resources however greater limited they may be, in other areas. Sometimes for items that don't necessarily need to be purchased right away, but the perception is that it's a need rather than a want. We've also seen some cases where the congregation was just flat out unwilling to add elevators, ramps, or other needs for accessibility. Not because of finances, but because they didn't want to change the aesthetics of their building. Paul, you and I once visited a church where the wheelchair seating was arranged at the back of the auditorium, separate from the congregation, and right beside the main entrance. Do you remember that? Oh, yeah. For those who sat in that section, those with mobility issues, those who used canes and walkers, there were a couple wheelchairs, well, for them, this posed a few problems. First, because the seating was arranged right beside the entrance, when the flow of traffic picked up and people were coming both in and out, those with mobility issues were trapped in the middle of all that traffic. And we observed them being 
unintentionally tripped over and even sometimes kicked. It mm. was uncomfortable to watch, and I'm sure it was uncomfortable for them to be stuck in all of that. But another part of the problem was when the congregation would stand up, everyone in the wheelchair section was unable to see what was going on on the platform. Mm. They would put the songs up on the screen, but those who were seated in the wheelchair section couldn't see. Therefore, they could not participate. These problems were brought to the attention of authorities in the church, but no changes were made. So from what I can recall of what we observed of that church, the people in general were friendly and yet at the same time oblivious and unwilling to acknowledge the needs in front of them. They valued the appearance of perfection over the needs of their people with Mm. impairments. Right. I am so grateful for the church God has led us to. Mm -hmm. I've never forgotten the first Sunday we attended our church. We were greeted by a member in the parking lot. And when he saw you, Paul, taking the wheelchair out of the trunk of the car, he immediately came over to offer to help. Yeah. And when we entered the auditorium, an usher led us straight to the front and center. Instead of pews, they are cushioned chairs arranged with wide aisles. He removed one of the chairs that allowed you to sit inside the row with the rest of the congregation. Right. It probably seemed like a small gesture to him, but to us that was big. And what a joy it is to be able to sit with everyone and participate with them. Mm-hmm. I think it's easy for any of us to become preoccupied with ourselves. Sometimes it just seems like life is so busy and stressful. Who has time to stop and think about other people's challenges when we can barely keep up with our own? But this is exactly what God wants us to do. True. The Bible is filled with instruction on thoughtfulness. This form of love that seeks to help and uplift and to do good whenever possible. Philippians 2, 3 and 4 says that we are to do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than ourselves. We're to take our eyes off ourselves and look out for the interest of others. In Matthew 25, Jesus says that when we serve one of the least of these in various ways, We're actually doing it for him. Hmm. That's quite a thought. You know, that's a good reminder that when we do things for others, we're doing it for the Lord. And loving our neighbors includes preparing for and meeting physical needs. Exodus 21 talks about covering an open pit to avoid injury. Leviticus 19 warns us not to place a stumbling block in front of a blind person and not to curse the deaf. This is great advice for all of us to consider. The sin of omission, such as failing to meet the needs of members with disabilities, is equal to the sin of commission, actually committing a sin, such as deliberately causing the blind to stumble. Whoever knows to do good but doesn't do it, to him it is sin, James 4.17. That's a good point. 1 John 3 raises the question, how can we claim to have the love of God if we see a need 
and yet refuse to meet it. As believers, we really forfeit our credibility when we don't work to integrate families with special needs. Our witness becomes less persuasive. Hmm. So we, we can't just say we love people with disabilities. Verbalizing our beliefs, that's not enough. We have to take practical steps. Be ready when a person with a disability comes through your door. Keep your eyes open to the needs around you and do what you can to meet them. Remove the physical barriers that prevent them from attending or participating. Just like it said, the words that you speak are reflected in your actions. So if you say something but your actions don't go along with what you're saying, it, your words are really kind of empty right? and not as, meaning, as meaningful. Physical barriers is one reason believers aren't able to attend. However, I believe the biggest barrier is attitude. Hmm. Attitudes from church members can either be uplifting or devastating. In the fall of last year, we had the privilege of attending a seminar on disability ministries for the church. During one of the sessions, several couples with children on the autism spectrum were brought up on the platform for a Q&A. One by one, they were asked about the challenges of attending church with a child who has special needs. And one by one, the answers were very similar. Enduring judgmental looks and degrading comments was the top of the challenge. Some have been asked, can your child really get anything out of participating here? Others have been flat out told they shouldn't attend. And others expressed how their child was never invited to participate because no one had ever asked them how best to include the child. I can only imagine how hard it would be to feel as if you need to be constantly explaining or apologizing for your child. Or how crushing it would be to realize that your own church family is annoyed by a disability or behavior that can't be helped. Yeah, how hurtful it would be to find yourself excluded from activities simply because of a disability. The body of Christ is a pivotal reason people with chronic health conditions will choose to stay or leave the church. That's a sobering thought. Yes. If we choose to prohibit them from coming in our church, whether by failing to accommodate for physical needs or withholding love and support, we, we do forfeit. We will pay a price. See, believers with disabilities want to give encouragement and support and love as much as they need encouragement, support, and love. They also want to serve. They want to sing in the choir. They want to teach a Sunday school class. They want to be invited into those Bible studies. And so when we hold them back from doing so, we are actually missing out on the blessings. True. And the couples on stage also shared how glad they were that they had found a church that had a great disability ministry and were including their children and how much joy they they got each Sunday from the other members that graciously accepted them and loved loved them each week and the parents were able to sit in the service and relax while they knew that their children were able to be taken care of because those workers in the children's ministry understood how to help those children with autism. 
And even one of the uh, couples with an older child, he was able to, they started including him and he was able to be kind of a greeter and hand out, help hand out the programs and the, as people came in and others would comment about how he would smile and just was so happy and it really put a smile on everybody's face. And, and it was just because they were, the church was willing to include them, not just provide a ministry for, but also help them be integrated and work as part of the body of Christ as they should. Right. And that's the ultimate goal, really, not just to serve them, but to bring them to a point where they also can serve. True. Good point. So we've covered two areas to focus on when ministering to the disability community, accessibility and attitude, mainly our own attitude. I want to wrap up with a challenge from Luke 14. Jesus says, when you give a feast, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed because they cannot repay you for you will be repaid at the resurrection of the just. In other words, by inviting them, you demonstrate that you're ministering to them for God's honor, not your own. By inviting them, you're laying up treasures in heaven, and rewards will be received. Later in the chapter, Jesus further illustrates his message with a parable about a banquet. The master of the house tells his servants to go out quickly to the streets and lanes of the city and bring in the poor and crippled and blind and lame. He said, compel people to come in. Why? That my house may be filled. And in the parable, my house means the Lord's house, which is the church. Let's take Jesus's challenge of going. Begin by looking around and see what you can do to make your building more accessible. What can you do to include those children with special needs in your Sunday school class? Minister to the individuals and families right there in your church who are impacted by chronic illnesses and disabilities. Pray that God will impress someone on your heart that you can be a blessing to. Pray that he'll make you aware of needs. If you don't know anyone in your congregation with special needs, you probably soon will because it is very prevalent. However, until then, go out into your community. Actively seek them. Don't expect them to find you. Visit those assisted living facilities. Volunteer in a residence home. Right. And as you get plugged into that compassionate ministry, beginning to reach your Jerusalem, you will radiate the love and beauty of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Thanks for tuning in today to Broken Vessels, Hidden Treasures. It is our hope and prayer that you will find the grace and goodness of God even in trials. We'd love to hear from you, and your feedback is important to us. You can reach out to Paul and Tabitha with comments, questions, or to share an episode with a friend in need through our website at bvhtministries.org.